Somebody give God a shout of praise in this place. Thank you, Pastor Jeremiah and the band. You guys, you guys know you're good. <laughs> uh, it's, it's crazy when you're good and you know you're good and you're able to use your gifts and talents for the Lord. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Oh, me too. Me too, friends. You guys look so good. Can we pray? God, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, God. We thank you for what you're doing right here, right now at Overcome Church. Lord, I pray. God, just as the song says, Lord, your name is great. And it's greatly to be praised. Lord, help us to slow down in this place and think through the things of God. Help us, Lord, to lean not on our own understanding, but on every word that comes from you. Help us, Lord. Be with us as we search your scriptures this morning, as, as we come with open hearts and open minds, Lord. Help us to um, be captured by your love, be captured by your grace. Most of all, God, help us to understand what it is that you expect from us, God. Lord, speak to us afresh and anew this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, guys, I'm super excited for this morning. Thank you again, Pastor Jeremiah. You are amazing, my friend. Um, faith in progress. Anybody enjoyed the current series we've been going through? A few of you? Okay, that's cool. I've truly enjoyed it. I love what whoever did with the... Uh, the curtains in the back on the balcony there, letting the light through, it just kind of makes it nice in here. I appreciate whoever did that. Um, maybe you didn't know you did that, but you did that. Thank you. It's, it looks good. <laughs> um, Faith in Progress, I have thoroughly enjoyed this series. We've been hitting um, a group of series very hard, and um, uh, I'm excited for today, not only because I think it, it's going to be a great uh, a great time. I think this is special. I think this is another special one, but also uh, I'm excited to round this series up and then kind of just go on. I'll let you in on the, on the uh, plan here. Just go on with some topical type preaching for a moment because I have a huge series I would love to share with you before our one year anniversary. And I got to tell you, can you believe it's been nine months? Somebody give God a round of applause, a, ha a hand clap of praise. He's really done something special here, hasn't he? Man, I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. If you don't know me, my name's Austin. I get the privilege, the uh, opportunity to pastor here at Overcome Church. And today, I think I have something fresh and new from the word of the Lord just for you. So faith in progress, that's been our, um, our theme, our series here lately over the past few weeks. We are on part four, our fourth week, and this will be our final week within the series. And so some of you are like, oh, but then others of you may be ready to move on. That's okay too. Um, faith in progress, just a short recap. It's been good, you guys. Uh, I, I've loved every step along the way. Last week we talked about, um, we, we talked about the, somebody help me out. I know the week before was you guys' favorite. You laughed a bunch at that, control, alt, delete. But then uh, last week uh, was very special. We talked about releasing faith. That's right. We talked about releasing faith and uh, not letting go of your faith, but having faith enough to let go. Come on, somebody. That can be good. Anybody, uh, well, I'll save that question for a later date. Uh, releasing faith, and then control-alt-delete, letting go of control, letting go of the need to have your hands on everything, and actually learning the fact that the more I feel like I have to have control, the more I'll lose control, but the more I lose control in the sense of surrendering my need for control to the Lord, the more I'll realize who was in control in the first place, right? Faith in progress, and then the first week, obviously, learning that we are all the true definition of faith in progress. None of us have it. None of us are all the way there. None of us have, you know, reached the cap of who we are in Christ. And we won't. We won't until the Lord cracks the sky and brings us home. Right? But oh, the grace and the mercy of the Lord and how good he is and what he has done 
to provide for us a way into the family of God. So faith in progress, this last part, I'm very excited. Uh, before I tell you my title, though, I want to read just two, uh, two verses for you out of Exodus chapter 14. This entire message comes from this account in Exodus 14. It kind of starts in the latter part of 13 and then, and then is rounded up in the whole entire chapter of Exodus 14. You'd be proud of me and you would thank me if you knew that this morning I had the entire chapter of Exodus 14 there. We were going to read the whole chapter and then I was like, no, shouldn't do that. And Rob watched me delete it all. And so bear with me as I try to explain the context of what we're about to read. If you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 14. We'll start in verse 13. We'll end in 14 here. The Bible says, but Moses said to the people, don't be afraid Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. <laughs> what a statement. Uh, I'll read that one more time. But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch. See the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. Today I want to talk about faith in process. We've been talking a lot of faith in progress. But I think faith in progress is actually faith in process. Um, having faith. In the process, having faith during the process. Let me tell you something about this and how this thought came across. I was thinking through uh, this idea of faith and process, and uh, currently, you may not know, I've been I've been trying to build uh, an office and a podcast studio and some other things, and trying to kind of set ourselves up for success here. And through the process, it's um, it's only been a couple of weeks, and we've accomplished a lot through the. The last couple of weeks at the expense of time with my family, but, you know, we've accomplished a lot nonetheless. And um, it was so good the other day, we, we completed a big milestone and it, you know, the, the end is near with building uh, these things and we get to enjoy them then. And uh, we were talking about the process and uh, my friend that we're, I'm building this with, he uh, kept referencing faith in progress, faith in progress. He's been listening, and he uh, has loved the series, and I hate he can't be here for the ending of it, but oh well, uh, he's watching. I know he is, hey. Um, but he always references faith in progress, and through the whole thing, he's like, faith in progress, got to have faith through the progress, faith through the progress. Here we are, we're seeing progress, 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 progress. And then I got to thinking, yeah, it's funny, I need faith for the process though. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, the process gets daunting every now and again. You may see the end in near, but you're dreading going through that last little bit. And what I want to say today is this, you know, through the process, some of us, this is where it gets real for us today. In the beginning of a process, it's easy to start off on the right foot with a little bit of faith. And after going through the process, it may be a little easier to have a little more faith. You've been through it. You got to the other side. Good job. And we gain a little bit of faith. Uh, faith. But it's while you're going through the process that it's a little more challenging to hold on to the faith. To believe that the end is near. To believe that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. To believe that uh, you'll make it. Or you'll get through it. It's why you're going through the process. And so I thought about this. Faith in process. Uh, faith in progress is having faith during the process. And I could have, we could have gone through many different uh, historical accounts found in the word of God. But today I thought no better account than the moment God spoke and Moses listened. That's the monumental key to faith in process. Uh, process. That's the monumental key to faith in progress. When God speaks and his people listen. Today, um, it's almost as if God's people think they know better than God. Ah, that's good suggestions, Lord. But I think I have a better plan. It goes tragically after that. That's where the ship wrecks. The Titanic sinks. The unsinkable ship will sink after that. Right? We, I think sometimes in today's culture, the Christian culture of today, a lot of us um, 
like I said, think we know a little better than the Lord. And um, what I'm here to say today is that faith in progress, um, being faith in process, having faith during the process, um, the monumental key in all of that is that when God speaks, you listen. When God speaks, you listen. We've gotten away from that a lot. I, I don't say we as an Overcome Church. I think you guys are awesome. And the team and everybody involved that make Overcome Church happen. I do very little, by the way. Uh, all the kudos goes to the team. But, you know, today's culture, we've gotten away from things like calling and anointing and um, hearing from the Lord, direction from the Lord. We used to hinge on those things in the Christian culture. And no doubt, I mean, we've had some, some good phonies come through the church culture and, and really turn us astray, but it's, it's, it's caused us to turn a deaf ear to the Lord's voice. When now, for the sake of security, for the sake of not going the wrong way, for the sake of not taking any risk, we'll turn a deaf ear to the Lord's voice. And we set up strong procedures, strong process for security. Not wrong. Not wrong to do so, other than the part where we turn a deaf ear to the Lord's voice. We used to hinge on calling and anointing and hearing from the Lord, and obeying the Lord. That word obedience. When's the last time, uh, last time you heard somebody say, the Lord just told me to come talk to you? You guys do it to me all the time. You guys pray for me. By the way, I feel prayed for up here. Thank you so much, uh, so much for all your prayer and support. But, like, I love that. Whatever happened to, the Lord told me that I just need to come pray with you. Or, or hey, we used to do this thing. I, back when I was the recipient and, uh, uh, and just seeing these types of things, it was kind of weird at first, but then I, I grew up a little bit and began, the, began to be the, the one God called to do these things, and I understood the blessing after that. But whatever happened to those times, and maybe you guys do it, and it's good that it's, don't let your left hand know what your right is doing, but whatever happened to those times where somebody would, would just grab one of those bills out of their pocket and just say, hey, the Lord told me to do that. You know, like, I fear we're getting away from hearing and obeying. That's what I want to talk about today, faith in process. The monumental key in faith in process is hearing the Lord speak and obeying. Okay, so again, I'll read it one more time. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, and we'll get going. Uh, the Bible says, But Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. The context is this, that uh, the Lord, meeting Moses out in a desolate uh, mountain, um, and that's a whole nother message. There's no reason why Moses would be there with a flock of his father-in-law's sheep. Um, there's no reason to go to a desolate place to find food other than maybe some shrubs that may grow on the opposite side of the mountain there. But anyway, that's a whole different message. Moses finds himself up on Mount Sinai, um, or not Mount Sinai, my bad. Uh, he, he finds himself up there on the mountain in the wilderness. A bush fires up, and uh, Moses is wondering whether or not he's going crazy or hearing from the Lord. And anyway, he hears from the Lord, and the Lord describes to Moses how he will deliver the Israelite people, Moses' people, the people um, that are suppressed, um, held captive in Egypt. And so long story short, Moses goes back, begins to listen to the Lord. And all throughout this whole account, you can read in Exodus chapter 13, all the way to Exodus uh, chapter 14 and through, you can read, and all through this account, the Lord speaks and Moses listens. The Lord speaks and Moses acts upon what the Lord said. What the Lord says, Moses just does. 
and it's all for a purpose. And all through, like, uh, and you know this story, that's why I'm not reading the whole account here, but all through plagues, all through these things that the Lord is doing, Moses never said why. He could have asked why a bunch of times through this whole thing, but uh, God spoke, and Moses listened. And here, uh, we're to the point where uh, Moses is leading the Israelites out through the wilderness, and um, the Egyptians saw the Israelites going in a certain direction, but the Lord is, is smart. He's a smart cookie, smarter than the average human being, and um, uh, he told the Israelites, he told Moses, he said, hey, listen, I know you're going this direction, but you actually need to go this direction because um, it's going to make Pharaoh follow you, and... Um, and I got something planned for him. And so anyway, they head towards the Red Sea. And they don't know it, but they're fixing to be. They don't know it, but they're fixing to be just put between a rock and a hard place. And so that's what happens. They end up camping right there before the Red Sea. And uh, have, I wish I would have pulled up a picture for you. It's, you can look it up, Google it. Uh, there's mountains on this side. Mountains on this side, unscalable mountains. On either side, there's a path, and then there's the Red Sea. And uh, the Israelites are camping right here. Red Sea's here. Here's the path. They wake up, and it's the dead of night. They look up, and there's the Egyptians. Pharaoh had taken 600 chariots filled with his best assassins and put them in the direction of the Israelites. And the Israelites wake up and they, they look and they see the, uh, the Egyptians coming their way and, and, and they know what's up. And they go to Moses and they're like, what the heck is the issue? What have you done? Have you brought us out here to die? They said, because there weren't, uh, weren't any graves in Egypt, you brought us out here to the wilderness to die? You took us all the way out here just to, to, to kill us? Uh, what is, what's the issue here? What's going on? And with the Egyptians to their back and the Red Sea to their front, they thought, all was lost. They thought all was coming to an end. There was nothing else for them, and it was over. But then the Lord again instructed Moses and said this, uh, and told Moses to say this to the Israelites. And so, in this chaotic moment, in this chaotic uh, process here, where uh, God is delivering the Israelites from captivity to a promise, from captivity to a promise. Get the picture. From captivity to a promise. In the process of the promise, it looked very, very, very shaky. And here the Israelites are receiving this word from Moses. This is what the Lord told me to tell you. Moses says to the people, don't be afraid, stand firm, and watch what the Lord's about to do. Ha, <laughs> easier said than done. What do you mean? We got 600 chariots of assassins coming this way, and they're all aiming for our necks. What do you mean? Uh, don't be afraid. What do you mean? Stand firm. You don't want me to move. Brother, I'm swimming. What do you mean? And watch. What am I looking at? What am I looking at? The funniest part is the last, the last two words, be quiet. We don't know how to do that. Heck, no, I'm not being quiet. I'm going to run for my life. That's how we all act. Run for your life. In the middle, in between deliverance and promise, is the process. And during the process, where I said it was very hard sometimes to stay, um, stay holding to your faith, that's the part where it gets hard. That's faith and process. The Israelites here are, are definitely being challenged. And, uh, well, we know the story. What happens next is uh, uh, the highlight, one of the highlights of the Bible, one of the highlights of Exodus, the book, and the rest of the accounts uh, with the Israelites going through the wilderness here, um, again, God speaks, Moses listens, and what happens, uh, God causes a great wind to separate the Red Sea, they walk across on dry land, miracle, awesome. Egyptians see it, they follow, dummies, they follow, right, the Israelites get on the other side, the sun's peeking up, it's morning time, they've been up all night, right, at this point, it's morning time, the Bible says, and they can see the Israelites, they're going into the Red Sea, or the dry ground of the Red Sea, right? 
And uh, God again says, Moses, do this. And he just listens. He throws his staff out over the Red Sea. He just holds it there. And maybe we'll do a series one time on that, just the, the, the staff there. It's, it's crazy all, what all God does through that. But um, <clears throat> anyway, he holds his staff over the Red Sea and, and whoosh. And then the Israelites stand there who once were slaves taken captive watching, um, watching the enemy come at them full steam ahead. They stood there, uh, stood there in victory, probably shell-shocked, didn't have a clue what just happened as they watched the bodies. The Bible says this, they watched the bodies of the Egyptians wash ashore. Faith in process was every bit of that whole account. What happens in between deliverance and promise is the, uh, the process. That's where... I think we can grow. That's where I think um, we could learn to have faith. Uh, faith that is in progress is faith uh, during the process. You learn by doing, don't you? Aren't we all a bunch of hands-on people? Some of us can read and get it the first time and carry on. I'm a doer. I have to be hands-on. If I can be hands-on, I can learn pretty much anything. Um, even, even messing with cars. Uh, that's a whole different story. Jimmy knows I messing around with that Jeep that one time, and it was a, it was a trip. Um, yeah. The three things that God says in these two verses here that struck me was stay calm, don't move, and be quiet. Watch and be quiet, right? Or behold. Y'all remember Christmas? Behold. What does that mean? To stop what you're doing and, and gaze upon what the Lord is doing, right? Eliminate the focus of yourself. And put all the focus on what the Lord is doing. And so stay calm, don't move, and be quiet. Seems totally contrary to all our productivity, um, you know, boosting statements we'll make. You know, we, in, in leadership there's a bunch of um, little statements that some magnificent leader in the faith, uh, you know, have coined. And we'll go back to those and we'll, we'll uh, you know, hinge on those and some things that we do totally seems contrary to all uh, productivity uh, when you just say, hey, stay calm, don't move, and be quiet. Stay calm, don't move, watch and be quiet. Uh, where we get it wrong is when we think that the best outcome is produced by something other than the Lord's hands. That's where we get it wrong. In between deliverance and promise during the process, we try every other way to get to the promise during the process, other than the Lord's hand. That's where we get it wrong, is when we think the best outcome is produced by anything other than the Lord's hand, right? Okay, so now that we're on there, we can go forward. I want to talk about obedience to the Lord. I want to talk about when God speaks, we listen. And I think the way we can uh, learn more uh, about doing that, applying it to our life, is... Uh, by looking at these three statements here from the Lord through Moses' lips to the Israelites as they watch uh, what seems to be uh, the end-all, be-all come straight their way. Stay calm, don't move, be quiet. And so my first point, if you're writing anything down, is stay calm, stay calm. Uh, I want to talk about worry a little bit with this point. I preached a little bit of this to the students on Wednesday, and I thought, man, that's very valuable, and we could use that on a Sunday as well. And so for my first, uh, first point, stay calm. I want to talk about worry. There's, is, is there anybody in here that worries a little bit? I know I'm one of you. I worry a little bit. I deal with some worry. I stress. I have some anxieties. I think about things. I go through conversations. Uh, uh, the team knows exactly what I'm talking about when I'll like, we'll have conversations and then I'll go home and like lay awake. Because I, I think of how I could have said something better or how I didn't say something right or because I'm liable just to, you know, ruin the whole, the whole meeting there with a weird statement. So, um, worry. And we all have worry. This is something that we all fight. This is always, uh, something that we all battle with. There is something, a section of scripture that I've hung on to my whole Christian faith. And uh, it's this. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. The Bible says this. Therefore I tell you, and these are letters in red. This is Jesus. Don't worry. There's that don't worry again. Don't worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body. What you will wear. 
Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow, they don't reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? He goes on to say, and why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field, how they grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, King Solomon, in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, that's a tongue twister there, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, won't he? Won't he do much more for you? Oh, you of little faith, pay attention to that. Won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these, th uh, all of these things. And your heavenly Father, pay attention to this, knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I think we struggle with worry every now and again. I think there's a lot of us that deal with anxiety. I think that is a big part of our t uh, culture today. Today's cult, we've never been more anxious. We've never been more stressed. Uh, people, uh, the American people have never been more uh, full of anxiety, stress, depression, all these other uh, mental and emotional um, uh, issues that we are going through as a people group, as a culture today. And the very thing in which we stand in need of is right here. And I'm going to prove it to you. Notice how the Bible said this, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? I want to share with you First Peter chapter 5 verse 7 where the Bible says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Cast all your cares upon him for he cares for for you, I think about the fact that uh, we have need, we have worry, we have need, and he is the fulfillment of our needs. He has what we need. He cares about us, and we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And the Heavenly Father knows what you need, and he's able to supply. Look at the birds of the air. They don't, uh, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store into barns, but yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. How much more are you important than they? Look at the flowers of the field. They don't spin thread. They don't make clothing yet. Look how pretty they are and how your father clothes them. Won't he do much more for you? He's like, look at these birds. Look at the flowers. Look at all these things. Like, doesn't God care more about you than they? Uh, in the instance that I brought up to the students, uh, this past week on Wednesday was this, the fact that like all throughout creation, the most uh, controversial words in our culture today is in the beginning God created. That's controversial. It's all get out. If you really want to get somebody going, you go to a university somewhere and you say, in the beginning God created, prove me wrong, sit there with a cup of coffee and see what happens, right? Yeah, you'll have everybody and their grandparents' opinions thrown straight at you. Most controversial statement ever. In the beginning, God created. But there is something uh, within that that is monumental to our faith today, to our faith in process today. Somebody say, faith in process. There's something in that. There's something in creation that is monumental to our faith in process when we uh, look at our worry, when we look at staying calm in the middle of the process. Look at creation, how God spoke everything into existence. He said, let there be light, and boom, there was light. Let there be this, let there be that. He talked about the trees. He talked about the animals. He talked about the plants that bear fruit. He talked about the ground as it rose, not in these orders, but as it rose rose from the water that he separated from the top to the bottom. All these things that he spoke, he declares with his mouth and nothingness just obeys what he declares because he is sovereign, because he is God, and because he is powerful there. But then there came a time for him to create what would bear the actual image of God, what would be the billboard, the representation, the representation of the Lord. He said, let us make man in our image. And with a swoop of his hand into the dust of the ground, he formed a man, and as the man laid there lifeless, he then breathed his own breath into that man and brought him to life. You can't get any more intimate than that. 
If you want a correlation, look at Jeremiah. As he told the prophet Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. God still does the very same thing he did to Adam today in your mother's womb. He forms and shapes man, the very thing that he chose to be the representation of himself to the world. That's intimate. He spoke the flowers and the birds in place. But he took his hands and his own breath and made you. You're here to represent the Lord. How much more will he do for you? How much more does he love you? How much more does he care for you? So as it said in the beginning, don't worry. Don't worry about all these things we need. We need a lot, and the Father knows that we need these things. Cast your cares before him because he cares for you. Look at this imagery here. We have need, right? And what separates us and our need from the Lord and the fulfillment of our needs by him is worry. Do you know that? What separates the need being fulfilled from the Lord is worry. How do you know that, Austin? Read this with me. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, through, every, uh, through prayer and petition, in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. What separates your need being fulfilled, uh, you in need, and God, the fulfillment of your need, is worry worry or lack of faith. I think, lack, I think worry translates to lack of faith. Worry is a, uh, lack of faith is a direct translation from worry. How do you know that, Austin? Look at what he says. He says, right here, let me find it within this, uh, within, within Matthew chapter 6 here. He says, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? At the beginning, he says, don't worry. And he lists out why you shouldn't worry. And then he says, won't he do so much more for you than he already does for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field? Oh, you of little faith. What separates a need from fulfillment is worry or lack of faith. Look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7 again. Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer. You think what I, I think what breaks the wall, breaks the barrier of, of, of your lack of faith, what breaks the barrier, what gives you breakthrough in your state of worry is prayer. We don't pray enough. We don't talk to the Lord. You want breakthrough? You want fulfillment in your need? Here's God, here's you. What separates you from fulfillment is prayer. You don't pray enough. Your lack of faith, your lack of believing he will do it. It's just like what I said earlier about the blind beggar. Something in him sparked. The first cry out was like, I think he can do this for me. The second cry out, though, was, in, so, was initiated through a faith of knowing that God will do it for me. God will stop on my behalf. God will come and heal me. He will take care of my finances. He will take care of my family. He will take care of this relationship. He will restore. He will heal. He will do these things. All these churchy words that we're all afraid of. We all don't say these words. We all get afraid of uh, being real churchy or real uh, faithful or full of faith with the Lord. We don't want to seem uh, like we're super saved people. I don't give a rip what you think about me. I believe that the Lord will do something. Right? And it's with that faith in the process where the Bible, I mean, the Bible declares that we should have this boldness. Come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in your time of need. Come boldly. The Bible, the Bible, uh, like God himself says, hey, child, have this boldness. Not arrogance, but boldness. Boldness in your faith to not worry about anything, but in everything. These are very uh, blanketing words here. Uh, don't worry about anything, but in everything. Don't worry about anything but in everything pray present your request to God because he cares about what you care about cast your cares on him for he cares for you present your request to God and the peace 
of God, which surpasses all understanding, you can't explain it, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Two things here, and I'll move on. I can get very passionate about this, only because I've seen it firsthand in my life. (laughs) When you break through the wall of worry with prayer, and your need meets fulfillment, your relationship with the Lord grows closer, not that he was any further away than he is right now, just that you nestled closer to him. You drew near to him, and he drew near to you, as the Bible would say. As you break through this wall of worry through prayer, and you present your request to the Lord, you make your request known, you cast your cares before him because you know he cares for you. The peace of God, you know what combats worry? Peace. The exact opposite of worry would be peace. I'm worried in this case, my shoulders are so tight, I can't get any sleep at night, I toss, I turn, I lay awake, I'm worried to death, and then over here is peace. Wow, weight lifted off my shoulders. Wow, okay. Thank you, Lord. But there's something about this peace. It says a peace of God which surpasses all understanding. A lot of us like to calculate these things. And the Bible encourages us, calculate the things of the Lord. It actually says the statement, calculate the things of the Lord. But I'll tell you today, you know, we we calculate so much in things and we will be so strategic with everything that we will try to reach a peace that is unexplainable with an explanation. We cannot reach a peace that is unexplainable with an explanation. Give your request to the Lord and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. You can't explain it and it's okay that you can't explain it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus so as you break through the wall of worry and your need meets fulfillment a peace that you can't explain will fall on your shoulders it'll fall on your life but the Bible says it doesn't stop there not only do you get peace but that peace literally guards your heart And it literally guards your mind. No longer can the things that worried me a moment ago um, wall up in between my need and, and the fulfillment that the Lord brings anymore. Stay calm. Stay calm. When the opposition is facing your direction, stay calm. And don't move. Somebody say, don't move. Stay strong. In this context, as, as uh, uh, God is speaking to Moses, and Moses is relaying the message to the Israelites. He says, um, uh, Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm. That, that term or that phrase there, stand firm, um, means like don't move. Stay strong. Here you are with 600 chariots of Egypt's um, strongest uh, pieces to the army here coming your direction. The Red Sea is right here. Here's your opposition. There's no for, uh, nowhere for you to go. The Bible says don't worry. God said don't worry. Moses is telling us don't worry. What do you mean don't worry? And then also don't move. Stand firm. Stay steadfast where you are. Don't make a move. Stay strong. It's a cute little phrase we tell our kids when they're going through a rough time. Hey, stay, stay strong, bud. We need to stay strong. We need to learn how to stay strong. It would be the, uh, the, the, the first wayward wind blows our way and we get all weak and we're like, you know, we turn into jello and we just can't handle anything. Stay strong. Have confidence in the Lord. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24, the Bible says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Come on, church. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundations was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, anyone who hears these words of mine, anyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, let's go back to obedience today, okay? Obedience school, right here, right now. When God speaks, And we don't listen. This is what happens. Anyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. And it collapsed. As a matter of fact, it collapsed with a great crash. When the Lord speaks and we don't listen. Look at this here. The establishment of the house being built upon the solid rock Look at the verses there. Doesn't mean that the storms aren't coming. 
Your house being built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ does not mean that the storms are not coming. As a matter of fact, the storms will probably come worse now, right? Because the enemy goes to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And if you're making a loud sound in Jesus' say, uh, name, if, you, if you're making a loud sound in Jesus' name, if you're causing a ruckus in Jesus' name, uh, yeah, the enemy's got your number, but it's okay. It's okay. The establishment of being built upon a firm foundation doesn't eliminate the threat of a storm. It just gives you the ability to stay strong. Somebody say, stay strong. Through the storm. Look at the verses there. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. It pounded that house, yet it did not collapse. Why? Because its foundation was on the rock. The Bible says this, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Oh, we love to post that verse on, on Facebook. Be still and know that I'm God. All while we're trying to put our hands all over everything because we're losing control. Be still and know that I'm God. The Bible literally says this is God saying, be still and know that I'm God. I think about the house that is actually built on the firm foundation. You build the house on the foundation. The house doesn't move. It cannot grow legs. It does not grow arms and feet and walks off in the, in the sight of, of destruction, in the sight of opposition. The house does not pick itself up and move. This is not a cartoon. No, it depends on the foundation underneath it to stay strong. It depends on the foundation underneath underneath it to hold it down and so just as the house being built on the solid rock you in your life in your personal relationship with the Lord if your house is built upon the solid rock you can stand strong you can stay steadfast you can stand firm as Moses would shout to the Israelites as opposition is coming full-fledged their way head first he says stand firm stay steadfast and they're just called to stand there is coming straight their way just because your uh, house is built on the solid rock doesn't mean the storm isn't coming. As a matter of fact, it came and it blasted the house. But the house did not collapse, the Bible said, because of the foundation. It didn't collapse because of the foundation. The Israelites saw victory that day as they stood firm, as opposition and death were hurled in their direction. They saw victory because God spoke they obeyed. God said, stay there. Don't move. Be still and just know that I'm God. Be still and know my promise. That's where, that's where we can learn here in this faith in process. Between deliverance and promise is the process. And in this process... If we can learn to be still and know the promises of God, to know what God says about us, to know what God says he will do, to know that God is good and he is great, his name is great and greatly to be praised. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. If we can learn to be still and just know, he's like, you should know these things. If your house is built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ, you should know these things and you should be able to, in the wake of the storm, in the wake of opposition, in the wake of an, uh, a vast army coming your direction with nothing but a seed behind you, you should know that I am God. I am the creator of the universe. I've established you on this rock. You didn't establish me. I'm not your um, imaginary friend. I'm not this fictitious character. I am God. Be still and know that I am God. The Bible says, don't move. He says, don't worry and don't move. Stay strong. Be still and know that I'm God. And the last point here, be quiet. Just watch and be quiet. See, he says. Look at those verses one more time. It says in 14, uh, Exodus chapter 14, 13. In 14, it says, don't be afraid, stand firm, and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. What's the point in that last statement there? Like, we were on a good high, the Lord's going to fight for us, but then you told me to shut up. What happened? What are you talking about, Moses? Be quiet. 
watch, watch and see. Last week we talked a lot about the fact that our baggage does the talking. We come in here with a bunch of baggage and our baggage does the talking for us. That's why we'll never come to the altar. We never utilize prayer time. We, we don't want to join the church. We don't want to, because we think we have to get rid of our baggage first. We think we have to get ourselves together. And of course, last week we talked about the fact that that is totally not the case. Um, uh, this is where you let go of the baggage. Come on. So um, at this point, though, I want to talk about letting God do the talking. It's when God's doing the talking and we're not talking over him. It's when God's doing the, the commanding, the orchestrating, the, the leading, the talking, and we're, we're not pushing everything else over the top of his voice. We're listening. And it's kind of what I was talking about this morning with calling and anointing and, and hearing from the Lord and, obe- uh, and, o- and obeying um, what he says, hearing God and doing what he says, hearing God and obeying his word, right? Uh, letting God do the talking. We're so loud and so seldom. And I can just speak from my experience. I want to get into my prayer time and I just want to do all the talking. But the most revelation I'll ever, ever, ever receive from the Lord is when I shut up and I just listen. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Quick to listen from the Lord. Right? Be quiet. Let God do the talking. As opposition comes your way and as you face um, a rock and a hard place situation as the Israelites were uh, there and definitely not being quiet. They were actually ranting and raving thinking that Moses had brought them out there to die. It was an inside operation. Uh, the, the Egyptians sent the, uh, the, the FBI in to, well, never mind, I shouldn't have said that. That's a hot topic right now. Um, <clears throat> my bad. So... The Israelites are letting Moses have it, and he's like, be quiet. The Lord said, be quiet. Um, Like I said, talk last week about your baggage and uh, how we bring all that in, and we let our baggage do all the talking, and this week I want to talk about letting God have the microphone over your life, letting God do the talking, not only in your prayer life, we know that prayer breaks the wall of worry, uh, not only in your prayer life, but just through your life. This whole thing has been about obedience. It's been about hearing from the Lord. Faith in progress is a faith that is growing, a faith that is learning, a faith that is being uh, shaped and molded. How do you know that you're dealing, here's some good leadership stuff, you may hear it on a podcast, how do you know you're dealing with a bad leader when he can't learn? That's leadership 101. That's easy. That's John Maxwell. When he can't be taught, not a good leader. Uh, I would say the same about your faith. If God can't mold you and shape you in your faith, if you've got it figured out, uh, you're in between a rock and a hard place, my friend. But it's when God can speak and you can listen that you'll see the impossible happen. It's when God speaks and you listen, you actually obey, that you'll see things that are crazy. Like those stories, you'll have those of your own. Like how you have no clue how God pulled through on this, but he did. And it happened. And it was amazing. Right? Be quiet. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen. Look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 23 through 28. This is the account here. The Egyptians set out in pursuit, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, and went into the sea after them. This is after the Israelites had begun their trek through dry ground, uh, through the Red Sea here, and uh, Pharaoh's horses and chariots went in after them. And during the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. In other words, if you don't know the story, as the Israelites went into the sea, uh, the Lord caused a great pillar of fire and and a pillar of cloud to be in between the Egyptians and uh, the Israelites. is almost like smoke screen. He threw a smoke bomb out there and, and the, Israel, or the Egyptians couldn't see the Israelites or the way that they were going any longer and uh, the Lord stood in the gap in that uh, facet. Well, as he was there, he looks down from the pillar 
pillar, right, of fire and cloud and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and, and made uh, them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said. They said, oh, it's a trap. <laughs> they said it's a trap because the Lord is fighting for them. It's one thing to know as a Christian that the Lord will fight for you, but it's a whole other thing when the enemy knows that the Lord's fighting for you. Come on, somebody. That's part of letting Jesus be your banner in the battlefield. Anyway, Lord, we'll preach a million messages if we could uh, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians and on their chariots and horsemen. And so Moses, there it is again. The Lord said, and Moses did. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea returned to its normal depth. And while the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. And the water came back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone in after them. Not even one of them survived. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand. And Moses stretched out his hand. Nothing more, nothing less. God said, and Moses did. God said, Moses did. All throughout this entire account. And I encourage you, go back and read the entirety of everything. It's, it's awesome. And you may be like, oh yeah, well I know it. I know it. Like I've, I, you know, I've been through Sunday school. That's cool if you know it. Read it again. Read it again. It's okay if you know it and you read it again. Chapter 13 and 14 of Exodus, I encourage you to go read it. It's very, very, it's what I call like a faith booster. You see God move. You see God do something, and it's amazing. Um, but all throughout this account, the Lord speaks and Moses obeys. That's the key. And I'm closing quickly, so the band, you can come on up if you would like, please. Um, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to the message here, but I want to tell you this, is that the monumental key, like I said at the very beginning, is obedience. It's hearing from the Lord and obeying what he says. I know the proof is in the pudding all the time. Like, we have to have proof that the direction we're going is a good direction. I know all the time we have to, before we make an investment, we're going to try to know everything we can know about that investment before we put our money where our mouth is, right? But faith is a little different. Um, I was talking with somebody over the past week. We talk a lot about the executive world. You know, working in the church and being a Christian, a follower of Christ, this isn't the executive world. We operate on faith and mercy and grace and love and kindness and uh, good expectation of the Lord's provision, his ability to stand in the gap as a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud if we need him to, right? Some things are just meant for faith. You believe that? Well, this has been faith in progress. Faith in progress is having faith during the process. Faith in to listen and act upon his words, no matter the cost and no matter the risk. Faith in process. Thank you.